Please enjoy this sport bloke segment from an upcoming or recent episode. So, Stuart, before we get on to the draft and NBA free agency, I assume you finished Whistleblower? I did. I finished it about half a day after we recorded last week. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was, uh, look, I mean, not maybe not the most mind-blowing ending, but I'm so confused as to how there hasn't been more fallout since this came out. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, it almost seems unfathomable that Scott Foster is still umpiring in this league. I just, I don't understand. And Chris Paul must just hate the guy so much. But then not long after that, you put me onto something great that you'd seen on Netflix, which is this untold malice at the palace. Yeah, and funnily enough, Tim Donahue bobs up again because mm. he was officiating that game. It's definitely a documentary worth watching on Netflix. It's only about an hour long. It's not perfect, but I actually saw the game live when it was on. Did you watch it? Or... I didn't see it live, no. So so I watched the game live when it happened and then like two hours of Sports Center afterwards. <laughs> so I probably watched like four and a half hours of coverage live. And I remember, uh, I think it was Neil Everett accidentally referring to an elderly man as an elderly woman when, you know, all the fracas was going on in the crowd and it was just crazy was stuff. It, was it Patty Mills? Uh, no, <laughs> it was an elderly uh, gentleman. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating viewing. And boy, Ron Artest and Stephen Jackson are characters, aren't they? And we already knew that from watching them play, but it's an interesting insight. The thing I forgot was Jermaine O'Neal and how how much of an impact it had on his career. Oh, absolutely derailed his career. He went from being one of the best power forwards in the game to spiralling into mediocrity, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Three seasons gone from this, he went from being a 25-9 and nine guy to 13-7, and seven, played for six teams in seven years. Yeah. He, he never got his ring, which that's what sucks. Artest managed to get his ring by jumping ship. I mean, he... Oh, very, he might have got traded, was he? But No, he bailed 16, he? 16, oh, yeah, 16 yeah. games into the next season. He he asked to be traded. And they, yeah, they that's, traded right. Him to, that's right. They talk about it in the doco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they Sac- get really pissed off. Well, they traded him to Sacramento for Peja Stoyakovic, who they pretty much got on a rentable for half a year. And then look what happens. Mm. Artest goes to the Lakers a few seasons later, wins a championship. Stephen Jackson had already won his, so it didn't really matter. But... Yeah, it definitely, it really ruined Jermaine O'Neal's career. The things I liked about the doco, it contextualised everything prior to the brawl. So about the first 20, 25 minutes, they talk about the teams and the league and everything. And the rivalry. Yeah, yeah so they don't jump straight into it, which is really good, particularly for people that maybe didn't appreciate, or indeed, some of those things you forget over the years. Mm. The thing I didn't like is that it was very much from Indiana's point of view. Ben Wallace is the only Detroit player interviewed, basically. He doesn't say much at all. And they talk as if it was a foregone conclusion that Indiana would have won the championship. It happened in November. It was the start of the season. A lot can happen over an 82-game season. There's no guarantee they would have even got out of the East. It was a pretty bloody good Spurs team that won the championship that season. Yeah, but you've also got to remember that the Spurs were pushed all the way that year by, well, it was by a, the Pistons. It was a bloody good Pistons team too. Yeah. Defending champion Pistons team that beat the Lakers team that included Carl Malone and Gary Payton. So it was yeah, good teams all around. But you can understand why Indiana were hyped up. They absolutely ran the Pistons off the floor in that game. Oh, yeah, but it's one game in the regular season. Uh, no, I understand. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not saying yeah. like... Oh, look, they were a bloody good team. They could have been a championship team. They could have. But it did. I, I did think it was a bit heavy-handed. I think the casual fan will watch that and think it was a foregone conclusion. They, would no, have won. they wouldn't have necessarily. It's, it is a big what-if. Because they were poised to make a deep run. There's no two ways about it. I, I'm Look, I'm certain they would have beaten the Pistons. Not certain in terms of like absolutely know it, but they had the team to beat them. 
They had such a such a deep and such a versatile roster. They were doing it for Reggie. I don't see any reason why they couldn't have. And there's a fair chance they could have beaten that Spurs. They could have. They could have. But it wasn't a foregone conclusion. Uh, no, and I that's mean, my well, I mean, nothing is. Yeah. That's the thing. But yeah. look, I mean, who's to say an injury wouldn't have happened over the, the rest of the... I mean, November. That was literally the start of the season. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the butterfly effect. Yeah. You don't know what is going to happen. I mean, Duncan might have done his ACL. You don't know. So Well, we know he didn't. No, but I'm. But but the, the everything the, everything the, yeah, everything yeah, yeah, that yeah, changes yeah, 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 everything. Yeah. Okay, so the things that I found interesting about this was the two douchebags from Detroit. So the fans. Got, firstly, you've got John Green, the guy who threw the beer that hit our test in the first place. Shitty name for starters, <laughs> and a shitty bloke. Clearly. Oh yeah, it was definitely the flashpoint that started the whole thing. Saying that his only regret was not tripping our yeah. test over as he went past him. No remorse for the fact that he did it. No remorse for the fact that some other guy got clobbered because of what he did. Yeah. What an absolute dickhead. Yeah. And then you've got this other dickhead, Charlie Haddad, pretending that it was our test's fault that he got fucked up. Yeah, but he squared up to him. He was asking for it. What was he doing on the floor? Yeah, he should not have been on the floor. never have been. Yeah. And then he played the victim too. Yeah. Yeah. They were both complete twats. Like, yeah, okay, you need to go to a hospital because you got punched in the face by a dude that's way bigger than you. And by the way, you're lucky he didn't connect. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's lucky that Jermaine O'Neal slipped when he did. Yeah, well, that too. O'Neal would have killed him. Yeah. And they said that in the documentary. I With the running start that O'Neal got... That was a pretty dog act from O'Neill. Oh, probably. But, yeah. he's, you know, he's defending his guys. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the interesting things about it, though, is if you look at all the suspensions, Ben Wallace got a six-game suspension for starting the whole thing. Mm. He was the instigator. He was the guy that, after the initial shove on Artest, went after him and went after a few of the other guys. So Artest lying on the score table? Oh, yeah, okay. I, I remember arguing with people at the time. Like, people were saying, oh, he didn't do anything. He was just lying there. It's like, yeah, but he wasn't lying anywhere. He was lying as the center of attention on the score. It's the sort of thing Rodman would have done. Yeah, was... he's antagonizing, but yeah. but his defense that this was something that his therapist had told him to kind of get away from the moment. Okay. Yeah. Made a poor decision going into the. He picked the, the wrong spot to, to yeah. calm down. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. And and it, isn't it funny though that that one beer could potentially have changed NBA history massively. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not not just obviously with the brawl, but also the fact that it could have led to the Pacers winning the championship. Who knows? Who knows? knows? Reggie might have kept playing. Well... Reggie would have at least 20 seasons. could have at least been a champion. That's yeah, well, the, that too. Yeah, this yeah. is the thing. So yep. it's uh, yeah, and obviously then Artest doesn't bail for Sacramento. That team stays together. You could be talking about an Indiana dynasty. That's maybe Artest doesn't nearly kill someone with an elbow many yep. seasons later. Yep. Exactly. I still contend that he didn't get a big enough suspension for no, that one. No. That elbow was really bad. Yeah. That was against the Thunder, wasn't it? When he played yeah, for the he, Lakers, yeah, hit, it was in the playoffs. Yeah, he hit James Harden. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Although harder. I wish so, yeah, I wish yeah, yeah. At the yeah. time, though. Yeah, yeah. But now, yeah, do it. So it has been a little while now, but this is kind of our first chance to talk about the NBA draft. One of my favorite uh, sporting events in the calendar, along with the NCAA tournament. I devoured a lot of pre draft coverage. I watched the first round. I must admit, I haven't watched all of the second round yet. What do you think? I mean, it kind of went. Mostly the way you would expect. A couple of surprises, I guess, early in the first round. Scotty Barnes to Toronto, probably the big surprise. And I think a lot of people are surprised that Josh Giddy rose up to number six for the Thunder. A lot of people. But not you. No. I believe if we go back to, God, how many episodes ago? I've been saying since last year, I think there was a clear top five and he could go as high as, as six. Yeah. So well done, Nath. Pat, pat on the back. Thank you. Thank you. But like I say, it's one of, the, one of my favourite sporting events of the year. And that's... 
why I thought he could go high because guys with things that you can't teach, guys with natural ability, basketball IQ, all those sorts of things. And curly hair. Are, are really draftable. It makes him really draftable. So, yeah, fantastic. Before we get on to him, though, let's talk about the top five quickly. But also, I was so disappointed to see Kendrick Perkins was on the coverage. <laughs> why is ESPN rolling him out for everything? He's fucking terrible. He's terrible. He's like a worst version of Shaq. Oh, and do you know the other thing? Lafonso Ellis hosts college game day. He is also another former player. He played like at least 12, 13 seasons, maybe more. Why wasn't he on the coverage instead of Perkins? Mm. Yeah, that was a bit disappointing. Although with that being said, he was a little bit better than I expected and he was less xenophobic than he tends to be. Well, that's good then. So he actually had some nice words to say about the international <laughs> players. Whew. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, the, the top five, all, all five of those players look really good. All the buzz was any of these guys could be a number one pick any other year. And always when you watch the draft, if, if you don't know a lot about the players, often, it, oh yeah, they do. They all look like amazing players and they can't all end up being amazing players. I've got a stat on this. So Tom Haberstroh on the Dan Lebertard show said, a funny things happened over the last decade. There's virtually no difference between picking second, fourth, 11th or 15th. The value curve is essentially flat. That definitely wasn't the case back in the 90s when each group of five picks tended to yield better players than the next group of five. So it has become a bit of a crapshoot. But these top five guys all look like the real deal. Yeah, they? you don't get a draft class like this every year. Definitely not. I mean, I heard Bill Simmons say there were three clear number one draft picks in this draft, which, again, that doesn't happen. Aside from, I guess, the what, the LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade. Darko Milich, oh, yeah. Well, maybe not Darko, but... <laughs> But even Chris Bosch, I mean, he would be... A, oh, yeah. Pretty, I loved Bosch out of college. Pretty, Georgia Tech. He was on a great Georgia Tech yeah, team. Pretty, yeah, would yeah. have been a worthy number one draft pick in most seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. Cade Cunningham, absolute no-brainer at number one. I, To be honest, I'm actually pissed off that the OKC Thunder didn't try and trade up to get him. They should have. With all the picks they have, they should have traded into the top five, probably. But... He's said all the right things about how he wants to be in Detroit and Detroit wants him to be in Detroit, which is the important thing. So maybe maybe we did throw the entire war chest at him and not, not enough. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, the thing I like about Cunningham is he seems to be really mature. He seems to be a good character guy. Yeah. So they're the players you want on your team when you're rebuilding. Yeah, he, he is potentially maybe not quite this good, but he could be one of those once in a generation sort of guys. You just never know. Yeah, no. That, yeah. Like that's his ceiling. For yeah, oh, I think all five of the top five are in that boat. Mm. Definitely, potentially. So Jalen Green at number two, from all accounts, he could actually end up being the most talented player in the draft as well. The other thing I've heard about him is that he works really hard and he'll make you play in practice. So, so that's a good thing to have on your team too. Which, yeah. look, that's something that Kobe Bryant had. And there are some similarities. He's super bouncy like Kobe was. Look, is he going to be that good a player? I'm not sure, obviously, but there's talk that he may not be amazing in the first season, but he will get better. Well, he's out of the G League. So. Kind of like what Kobe did. So. Yeah, no, he, he's got all the tools. Absolutely. This was 100% the right choice by the Houston Rockets. I don't blame them for going for him. The other option in the top three was probably going to be Evan Mobley, who... A lot of people think was the best player in the draft. But Houston don't need bigs. No. So I, I think this was absolutely the right choice for them picking Jalen Green. Mobley, as we said, went number three to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Who also have a lot of bigs. But they had to make this pick. Well, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that later on. But They did have to make yeah. this pick. Look, Mobley, elite two-way big man. Arguably the best big in the draft. In fact, probably not even arguably. No, I don't think so. Some of his accolades, player of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year in the Pac-12. 
nearly three blocks a game, range out to the three-point line. He's mobile for his size. Like He could be another Chris Bosch type, I think. Yeah, there was Bosch and DeAndre Ayton with the two names I saw kind of being thrown out. There. Yeah, he seems a bit more Bosch-like to me than Ayton. Ayton's a bit more of a banger. He's a little bit more finesse, I think. At the moment, probably more Bosch in terms of the body size as yeah, well. He's, yep. he's quite thin. thin but yeah, yep. the, And the good thing is all the things that he doesn't do particularly well, you're talking about passing and ball handling, they're not super important for a big guy. No, you can get away with them and you can hopefully develop them. Yeah. Scotty Barnes at number four to Toronto, as I mentioned, second year in a row, there's been a little bit of a surprise at pick four. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that though, because David Thorpe on the Chad Ford pre-draft, one of the episodes of that, he, had him, he thinks he should have been number two. Wow. That he was that high on him. Yeah. Another guy who's great in practice, has a really good attitude, and is being compared to Draymond Green, which is a very good type of player to have. I did so, see that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his numbers don't really jump off the page at you, which I found interesting. But I think what's great about him, so he's he's a six foot nine guy, kind of plays like the, the point forward. Yeah, sort of position. that Draymond kind of player. Yeah, seven two wingspan though. So he's a little bit longer. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, you can almost always hear Jay Billis. <laughs> wingspan. Oh, there were, I tell you what, if you were playing the Jay Billis wingspan drinking game, you would not have got drunk at this draft. No? Oh, hardly at all. No, a lot of, a lot well, of, in the first round. I haven't seen all the second round. A lot of T-Rex guys are sure. I, well, I think it's got to the point where he now tries to avoid saying Yeah, it. this is probably true. Yeah. But yeah, you have to sort of say with Toronto, they've kind of got a lot of those guys. If you look at Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, they've got a lot of these long guys. They're kind of versatile. They can switch. That they makes their defense a little bit more, uh, yeah, a bit, bit more difficult to get through. What I like about him though is he, he seems like he's got a really high IQ. He's really patient as well. He makes good reads off the bounce. So I, I think he's going to be one of these guys that could potentially become one of these like six foot nine point guards. Toronto just, I don't know, they're not they're not going to contend for a championship, but they're going to be fun to watch. Well, and again, we're in this era of positionless basketball yeah so teams want these sort of guys that can play make they can pass they can dribble helps that he plays d great pick and he's going to create mismatches yeah everywhere yep. so now jalen suggs dropping to orlando at five that was a little bit of a shock for me oh that was orlando one of the winners of the draft yeah getting wagner as well so huge huge <laughs> i love jalen suggs saw a lot of him in the tournament I can't unsee that block and then pass that he threw in the semifinal. And of course, that was the game where he hit the big game winner too. But blocked a guy bigger than him, threw the perfect bounce pass. I love this kid. He's phenomenal. I did see one particular play that stood out to me, funnily enough, a block as well. Two on one fast break, 30 seconds left in a tied ball game. He reacts so quickly when the bounce pass is made, turns around and blocks a guy who's probably three or four inches taller than him trying to throw one down and then turns around and basically saves the game. So, yeah, I think Orlando absolutely were the winners. Getting Jalen Suggs at five, that is huge. Yeah. And Wagner as well. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he plays D as well. And Wagner is the better of the two brothers. As well. Oh, big time. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. they've yeah. got Mo as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. They've got the, yeah. <laughs> kind of the, uh, the, the twin Wagners. Yeah, yep. And obviously, yeah, we do have to talk about Josh Giddy. Look, a little bit of a surprising move. I'm not disappointed at all. I think he pairs up well with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I said that last week. Yep. A lot of the stuff that I'm hearing on a lot of the podcasts is they're talking about how he could potentially be the biggest chance of being a bust. So he doesn't necessarily shoot the ball amazing, doesn't have NBA athleticism, might not be the greatest defender there. Do you know who that reminds me of? Jason Kidd. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Coming, okay. Out of, coming out of California... The one thing that Jason Kidd could do really well was run an offense and throw great passes. He had a high IQ and he was this great playmaker. That's what Giddy is. I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer like Jason Kidd is, but he definitely has the capabilities of being 
a top quality player. I've always struggled to find an American comparison, but I think I've thought of one. And then let's hope he has a better career than this guy. He won't have as good a career as kid. Hopefully, probably somewhere in the middle. Sean Livingston. Okay. About the same height, pure point guard, playmaker, not super athletic, Liv- but not Livingston shit. Livingston before the injuries was very athletic. In yeah, the, okay, in, yeah. In the LA yeah. Clippers days, he, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. bouncy. But... Yeah. So look, his career averages aren't anything to write home about. But he did have a lengthy career. He played for several, I think like nine teams, a fair few teams. So he's a bit of a journeyman. But he has some of those skill sets. Hopefully, he'll be a better player. I'll admit, I kind of wanted him to land on Golden State because I thought that would be maybe a better... He's not heading into a rebuild. But heading into a rebuild, he'll get plenty of opportunity. And I think he could be a nice pairing with Gilgis Alexander. And yeah, I'm a big fan. I've sung his praises many times before. I have all the reason to believe he'll have a very good NBA career. Just one other thing quickly. Giddy was the first player from the Basketball Australia's NBA Global Academy to be drafted. So that's that's great news for that program, which is hopefully going to keep kicking goals. Yeah, huge moment for the Australian League. So, Nathan, we've spoken about the Thunder. What about the Spurs? Oh, yeah. Josh Primo. I think the Spurs didn't realise that they didn't have to pick a guy that looked like his age was the number of the pick. Have you seen the photo of this guy? He looks 12. He's wearing nappies in the he picture. He looks 12. <laughs> He looks 12. I initially hated the pick. There were so many guys that I really liked that I wanted them to get instead of his. Shingun, for example, the big man out of Turkey. Trey Mann and Kai Jones, a couple of other guys I had my eye on. I've warmed to the pick a little bit. Clearly, the Spurs are going to blow it up. Start from scratch. So I guess get a young guy. He was If he'd come out next year, he would have been quite a high pick from all accounts. Apparently, the Thunder were looking at him, actually, and that spooked the Spurs a little bit, which is partly why I think they picked him. Yeah, we got Trey Mann, though. Yeah, I still think they could have traded down. So, yeah, I have warmed to it a little bit, but, yeah. The Spurs did sign Jock Landau, though, which keeps that Australian connection going in San Antonio, which is really good. Paddy Mills, unfortunately, has left after a wonderful oh, nearly decade with the team. He's gone to the Brooklyn Nets, and look, quite frankly, I can't blame him for going there. Nah, to get a two-year $12 million deal there and have a very good chance at winning a championship. Can't blame him. They've re-signed Kevin Durant. They've re-signed Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin as well. They've managed to, I guess, upgrade a little bit. So Mills is probably an upgrade on Landry Shamit for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. And James Johnson's a slightly tougher version of Jeff Green. They didn't have Spencer Dinwiddie all the last season anyway, so his departure probably doesn't hurt him too much. They'd almost have to go in as favourites. If they can stay healthy, yeah, that's the big if. If Harden stays healthy and Irving, then, yeah, it's kind of hard to really look at other teams. Maybe a couple other teams might be in with a chance. But yeah, it's it's Brooklyn's to lose at this stage. Moving on to the LA Lakers. And the draft's not a big thing. The, the big thing is their trade for Russell Westbrook, of course. But given that trade, I saw a great tweet from Flea, the bass player from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Born in Australia, by the way. He, so, he is a massive Lakers fan. He's yeah, always at their Yeah, games. well, I mean, he's lived there for many, many years. And he has an American accent now. I saw them play here a few years ago. If the Lakers would have kept KCP, we'd have a monk, a nun, and a pope. <laughs> Great tweet from the fleet. <laughs> that is quality. But no, he was involved in the deal for Russell Westbrook. What do you reckon? This is the thing. Everyone is, is poo-pooing and bad-mouthing this trade. I don't think it's such a bad trade for the Lakers. And I'll tell you why. Russ is from Long Beach. For starters. So this is like 25 minutes down the road from the stable center. He's going to be all in on this because he's a local boy. They were eight and 10 last year without LeBron and Anthony Davis, 12 and 15 with just LeBron. 
LeBron will need rest next season. Anthony Davis will probably get injured because he's made of glass. Yep. Westbrook will run through a wall for this team and he will keep playing. So he's one of these guys that he's used to playing on teams that don't have a huge amount of talent. So if you're talking about AD and LeBron sitting down, he'll just treat it like he did the OKC team just after Durant left. Just average a triple-double and kind of run them through that. We know he's not a high IQ guy. We get that. Yeah, come playoff time, that's huge. And and, and that's obviously the big if. For the decision-making. But playing with LeBron's going to help that, surely. Like, it has to. Well, there's only one ball to go around, though. They both like having the ball in their head. Yeah, but Westbrook likes assists as well. This is the other yeah. thing. So he's, he's going to want to throw it into AD and want to throw lobs to LeBron. Like, yeah. Look, I'm not saying that they're going to win a championship, but I don't think this is as bad as they're making out to be. I mean, who did they lose? They lost Kyle Kuzma, who was shit last year. Montrez Harrell, who was shit last year. KCP, who was shit last year. And a 2021 first round pick, which was probably shit last year as well. And Dennis Schroeder, because he got greedy. Well, that's a whole other ball. We'll talk about that in a minute. But but if if you look at who they gave up, like they really aren't actually losing that much. I think they should have tried to get Bradley Beal. Well, he yeah. would have been a much better fit when there, you're talking about the Wizards. There are options that they could have looked at as well. But, but also, they nearly made a trade for Buddy Heald and they could have kept some of the parts that were in the Westbrook trade. And Buddy Heald would have fit that team much better as a three-point shooter. So I think they should have made the heel deal. I agree with you. I don't think it's as doom and gloom as some people are making out with Russ. But I do think come playoff time, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. All right. But let's look at some of the shooters that they've surrounded these guys with. So Carmelo Anthony, okay, admittedly, he's a screen door on defense. We've spoken about this as many times. But he had a good year shooting the ball for Portland. Kendrick Nunn, he's a shooter. Yep. Malik Monk shot 40% last year from three. Trevor Ariza and Kent Bazemore, they can stand in a corner and knock down threes. So It's a very old team. Absolutely. All... A lot would have to break right for them, but if it did break right for them, who knows? Yeah. They could win a championship. They are, absolutely, they are all in. Yeah. But they, they've got enough good players, albeit guys in their 30s, to do this. It's just, yeah, do I think they're going to win it? No. But they, you've still got to give any team with LeBron a chance long as they're healthy. Did you see the LeBron through a going away party for Kyle Kuzma? No, I did not. How fucking savage is that? <laughs> there's there's actually a photo. Uh, oh, well, it's nice, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy Washington, champ. Yeah, yeah. Well, they'll get that, more opportunity. That's because you can't make a wide open jumper. Yeah, well. So a couple of other teams. I think Miami's probably the other big contender. Yeah, recently Jimmy about. Butler got uh, Oladipo for nothing. Less than nothing. Yeah. Two point three million. They got PJ Tucker for seven million dollars a year. Very useful pickup from Milwaukee. Yeah, played very well in the finals. They got Markeith Morris on a pretty decent deal as well. Obviously, they get Kyle Lowry across from Toronto, so they've got a bunch of these real grit and grind guys. Yeah, yeah, no, they'll they'll be right up there. You, right up. There. Can you imagine adding Bam Adebayo to those four? So Adebayo, Butler, Lowry, Tucker, and Morris with Robinson shooting threes and and Tyler Hero. Tyler as well. Hero had a bit of a sophomore slump, but he's young and good. Yeah. You're not getting layups on this team. No, it's it's a good team. Yeah, it's a very good team. I think. Do you think they push for for the top seed? Or is it still Brooklyn and Milwaukee's to lose? Uh, well, oh, look, Brooklyn, I don't think Brooklyn feel they need the top seed. Kyrie is going to go MIA every now and then and all sorts of weird shit will happen in Brooklyn probably. So, yeah, they could. They could. Jimmy Butler's the sort of guy that wants to win every single game regardless. So, yeah, they could. They could. And probably the biggest news actually out of Miami, 
Udonis Haslam signed on for his yes, 145th season That's right. on a one-year deal. Good That's on you. Right. Good on you, Udonis. Good on you, Udonis. I remember watching you play for the Florida Gators as an overweight guy with a massive ass beard. He looks completely different. God, how old were we then? Like seven? Yeah, well, it's a long time ago. Yeah, it has been. So the Warriors, I found their draft picks a bit interesting, but I wonder if they're going to be used in trade packages because they're certainly not win-now guys. I mean, obviously, Jonathan Kaminga is a pretty mouth-watering prospect in some ways. But I just don't know if he's the right fit for a team that wants to win now. So what I see in the highlights of Kaminga, and admittedly I haven't seen full games, I know that his shot selection's a bit iffy, but some of the drives that I've seen him complete remind me of Paul George. Some of his moves inside remind me of Kevin Garnett. Like, yeah, I actually was surprised the Thunder didn't take a flyer on him considering the length, of the, the, length of the rebuild. Yeah, But yeah, putting him and Wiseman on the same team, it kind of... I'm not sure. I think one of them might be getting shipped out. So we'll see how that all goes. Moody was the other one too. Not necessarily a win now guy. So yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe even two of those three could be traded. There was talk the Warriors were thinking about drafting Moody at seven. Right, right. But when Kaminga fell to seven, they thought, no, we've got to take him with that. Like It's, it's fascinating. I think the thing that really stands out to me though is how well the Warriors did picking up quality role players on veteran minimum contracts. So they got Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Bialica and Andre Iguodala for less than $3 million a piece. Mm. Some really, really good pieces. They're still in the Ben Simmons sweepstake as well. So Yeah, yeah. Ben wants to go there. I can't see how it will happen. By the way, it turns out that Ben was sending the Boomers well wishes and stuff. He was apparently staying in contact with the Boomers. So maybe it wasn't as bad as what the media have portrayed. Of course, it never is. But, but and, and by the way, on Kaminga, apparently he's a really bad chemistry guy, bad locker room presence. So that's the knock on him. But I know he wants to go to Golden State. I can't see it happening. I just can't see it happening. Hmm. They, they can't have both Draymond Green and Ben Simmons on the same team. So that Draymond Green and Kevon Looney. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but Kevon Looney wasn't a max player. You know what no, I mean? I know, I know. Like, I, I, yeah, I, unless Draymond's involved in a trade, I can't see Ben Simmons going there. I can't see it. I actually think the Spurs could overspend for him. Apparently, Pop loves Ben Simmons. I mean, you may as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, look, I, th- I think Golden State, if Clay Thompson comes back and is. 85% of what he was before the injury, even 80%. You've got to see them pushing for the six seed. They're a candidate for a big mid-season trade, I reckon. That they could well be. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they might dangle one or two of those young guys. They may guys. dangle Clay Thompson. Uh, I think they'd want to keep him for a championship tilt. I reckon they'll dangle the young guys, the recent draftees. Depends what they can get. Well, true, true. So we, we shall Time see. Time will tell. We shall see. The other spur leaving, of course, was DeMar DeRozan. He's gone to the Chicago Bulls. Apparently, he was wanting to play for a championship. That certainly won't be happening in Chicago. But they're building okay things. (laughs) They got Avery Bradley and Alex Caruso and Lonzo Lonzo Ball. Ball, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're all good pieces, but they're not they're not going to win a championship with those pieces. Oh, I thought you said a play-in game. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's an interesting one. Still no word on Laurie Markin and Denzel Valentine or Ryan Archie Diakono. I mean, what do you think about the DeRozan trade? So the Spurs get Thaddeus Young, Al Farouk Aminu, and two second rounders. Obviously That's a salary dump. Absolutely a salary dump. So yeah. you're you're happy with that? Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. This is the modern NBA. Fair enough. We got nothing for Lamarck Soldridge. So yeah. Fair enough. I mean, Thaddeus Young might be a sort of guy that a veteran team might try and trade for. We might be able to get another pick out of him. It is what it is. Just it, it was time to move on. I, I really enjoyed watching Demar play. He's a consummate professional. I actually built a lot of respect for him. I already liked him when he came to the team, but I liked him more having seen him in Spurs colours. 
but it was time for him. It was time to move on the veteran. Rudy Gay gone as well, of course. Time to rebuild. Blow it up. Does this put the Bulls ahead of any of the top six teams? Absolutely not. No? no? Okay. No. Cool. I don't think so. So they're pushing top eight, basically, if they're healthy. So you, sp- you spoke about Bill Simmons previously. He actually floated a really interesting one of Zach Levine for Ben Simmons. Yeah, I don't think that's a good trade for the Bulls. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, you've got to explore every one of them. I, I don't think I'd make that trade. If yeah, was well, Bulls. given their recent pickups, though, he might fit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think Zach Levine's going to have an all-star season. He probably will have a very good season. Very he probably good will. Season. He probably will. Now, you alluded to this in previous recordings, Shui. The Knicks. Some weird shit going on there. $20 million a year for Evan Fournier. Yeah. He had that one good Olympics game, but yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. A lot of money. Three years, $43 million for Derek Rose. It's a lot of money. It is. He played well. He's a Tibbs guy. I don't hate that as much, but yeah, he's over the hill. The, the two that I really hate, though, three years, $32 million for Nerlens Noel. Yeah. And three years, $30 million for Alec Burks. Yeah. You could get them on less than half of that, I reckon. Yeah. I, I don't know what the fuck the Knicks are doing. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, I think you and I could pick up eight to 10 million a year. Kemba, Kemba Walker saved their offseason a little bit because they they spent a lot of money on guys that probably don't move the needle ahead of them. They've probably locked themselves into mediocrity. Well, they're going to be miles over the luxury yeah. cap. And yeah, you're right. Are they going to be as good as this year? I don't know. Probably not. I think if anything, they go back. They could. It's so, very possible they could. So, yeah, they're probably the biggest head-scratcher out of them. There's a few other head-scratcher sort of ones. Now, admittedly, I know the Spurs had to give money to someone, but $14 million a year for Doug McDermott? Yeah. Oh, look, I think you hit the nail on the head. You've got to spend the money on someone. Why not get a good veteran guy that shoots the three? Surely there's better guys you can throw that money at. Well, this is the thing, though. Free agency moves so quickly, there weren't better guys. Free agency, it's it's almost done in two days. And all the good players went to good teams. The Spurs are not a good team now. So right, I'll throw out three more head scratches then. Three years, $38 million for Kelly Olenek in Detroit. Yeah, I, I guess it's the big man money. That's all I can think of. All right, well, this one's not a big man. Three year, $31 million contract for Taylor Horton Tucker. Some people have said he could be a max guy one day. He's shown glimmers. He has shown glimmers, but that's that's a lot of money. He could yeah. be Vernon Maxwell. That's the that's as close to a Max. I guy. loved Mighty Max. Yeah, but he's not a Max guy. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the one. This is probably the biggest one for me though. Five years, a hundred million dollars for Jarrett Allen in Cleveland, and then they go out and draft Evan Mobley. You're not going to be. Able well, to they drafted him. Mobley first. The draft happened before free agency. Oh, of course. So that's, that's what even, makes it even weirder. That's even worse. Yeah. yeah. So good job, Cleveland. Well, yeah, that, that is a bit odd. Again, though, he might be a trade piece. I mean, he's young. He is a very good big man. Mm. He might be a trade piece. So the funny thing, Dennis Schroeder did get a deal in the end. It wasn't quite the massive deal that he knocked back from the Lakers, but he's gone to their arch rival, the Celtics, on a one-year deal. Yeah, why take four years and $84 million when you can get 5.9 for one? Was it 84? I thought it was even more than that at one point. That was pretty hideous. It doesn't look good. And then you look at Victor Oladipo and probably feel slightly better about himself. So he's actually turned down a two-year $45 million extension with Houston in February. And he also turned down an $80 million extension with Indiana prior to all of this. So a one-year veterans minimum for Miami this year, it's not great. No. Ouch. And then just quickly to finish all this off, 
couple of crazy things happening in the summer league. So Isaiah Thomas playing in the Seattle Pro-Am called the Crossover. Have you seen that because of Jamal Crawford? Yes, yeah. Really? I, I don't know how like much D is being played in these things. You still got to They're score They're not the, the official summer league. You've still got to score the yeah, points. Yeah, oh, yeah. So sure. he's dropped 81. Yeah. <laughs> Real, really cool shout out to Kobe Bryant there. He, uh, he's trying to make the Lakers roster as well. Yeah, right. He did actually tweet out on the 7th of August, miss my guy Kobe Bryant. And yeah, he, I saw that on my Twitter feed. Yeah. And then he drops 81, which is Kobe's biggest yeah, yeah. scoring yep. game. So yep. he did that well. Peyton Pritchard then one-upped him by scoring 92 in a Portland Pro-Am game, which is pretty cool. Staking his claim for the backup two-guard spot with the Celtics. Yeah, again though, pro am. I wonder how many oh, how many pros and how many M's. He was hitting a lot of half court shots in that game though. He <laughs> yeah, was well, shooting yeah. from way downtown. That's just ridiculous. Speaking of Portland though, some really cool stuff out of the summer league with the Portland Trailblazers. Kenneth Farid and Michael Beasley both getting a run for the Portland Trailblazers who haven't played since 2019. Jordan Crawford, who hasn't played since 2018, got a run with the Blazers as well. Tariq Black got a run with Denver. Brandon Knight got a run for the Nets. Yeah, yeah. He's still only 29. Yeah, right. Seems like he should be 34. Yeah, okay. Wow. And Kiefer Sykes having a pretty good run. Yeah, Kiefer Sykes. Yeah, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix home. Yep. Maybe for not much longer. No. Well, John Mooney with the Bucks as well. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm. My thoughts on preseason and stuff are pretty well documented. You love it. I have caught a little bit of the Summer League just by chance on ESPN. I'll tell you who I really like the look of. And he really fell in the draft. Sharif Cooper, Atlanta. I think he could fit quite nicely with Trey Young. I think he fell to like 48 or something so yeah he, he looks he looks the goods in early summer league too thanks for listening to this sport bloke segment why not listen to the full episode and check out their twitter at sport blokes